In the name of Allah, the gracious and merciful, we praise him and invoke blessings upon his noble messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa May Allah help him who is truthful. Amin. Many people must be aware that for about 20 years, Dr. Abdul Hakim Khan has been among my followers. For some days past, he has been estranged from me and has turned into a bitter enemy. In his booklet, Al-Masihul Dajjal, he designates me a liar, pretender, Satan, antichrist, mischief monger, and consumer of illegitimate income. Moreover, he calls me dishonest, greedy, selfish, corrupt, liar, and one who lies in the name of God. There is not a single fault which he has not ascribed to me, as if there has never been a compendium of all these evils except me since the beginning of the world. But this was not all that he did. He toured the major cities of the Punjab like Lahore, Amritsar and the rest, delivering public lectures and invariably ascribing all kinds of misdeeds to me, ridiculing me and declaring me to be dangerous to the world, more dangerous than even the devil. In short, I have suffered greatly at his hand, the details of which need not be given here. What is more, Mia Abdul Hakim did not rest content with all this. He also publicly announced in each lecture in the presence of hundreds of people that God had revealed to him. During the next three years, this man, i.e. me, would die on account of his being a liar and an imposter. I exercised patience in the face of these prophecies he made, but today, August 14, 1906, my learned friend, Marvinuruddin, received a letter which, after hurling all kinds of abuses and faults upon me, states that God Almighty had informed him on July 12, 1906, about my demise to the effect that I shall die within a period for three years from this date. Now that things have reached such a pass, I too, for my part, do not consider it inappropriate to publish what God has revealed to me about him, which in fact constitutes a blessing for the people. If for a fact I am a liar in the estimation of God, and if I have been lying in his name day in and day out for twenty-five years without any fear of his majesty and glory, if my dealings with the lost creatures are characterized by misappropriation of people's wealth, through dishonesty and deceit, and if I torment Allah's creation with my own misconduct and selfishness, then under such circumstances I deserve punishment more than all the evildoers put together so that people are saved from my mischief. But if I am not what Abdul Hakim Khan takes me to be, I trust that God will not cause me to die in a manner that there should be a curse before me and a curse behind me. I am not hidden from God's view. Who knows me better than him? I therefore reproduce below the two prophecies, i.e. me Abdul Hakim Khan's prophecy about me and mine about him, and leave the judgment of it all to the Almighty. Prophecy about me by me Abdul Hakim Khan, assistant surgeon Badiala, which he writes in his letter addressed to Brother Malvin Nuruddin is the following in his own words, prophecy by Abdul Hakim Khan. On July 12, 1906, I received the following revelations against Mirza. Mirza is extravagant, a liar, and a cheat. The mischievous shall be decimated in the presence of the truthful. The prescribed time frame has been conveyed as three years. Footnote start. 
Mi Abdul Hakim Khan does not reproduce here the exact divine words. Instead, he simply says the prescribed time frame is three years. Footnote N by Hazrat Masih Maudala Islam. Against this is the prophecy conveyed to me by God Almighty about Mi Abdul Hakim Khan, Assistant Surgeon Patiala, in the following words. Those accepted by God carry with them incidents and signs of such acceptance. They are known as the princes of peace. Footnote start. The expression used by God Almighty that they, the elect of God, are known as the princes of peace is his reply in contradiction of Abdul Hakim's remark, who after declaring that I am an imposter and a mischief monger, announces that the mischievous one will perish in opposition to the truthful one. In other words, according to him, he is righteous and I am mischievous. In order to contradict this, the Almighty says that the elect of God are the princes of peace. They are immune from an ignominious death and punishment. Otherwise, the world would perish and there would be no difference left between the truthful and liars. Footnote end. No one can overcome them. The drawn swords of angels is in front of you. Footnote start. This sentence is addressed to Abdul Hakim Khan, and the drawn sword of the angels means heavenly retribution, which shall not be caused by man. Footnote end. But you have not recognized, nor seen, nor appreciated the needs of time. Footnote start. Meaning that you did not care to reflect whether the Ummah of the Holy Prophet needed the Dajjal or a reformer and mujaddid during this age and at this critical point in time. Footnote end. O oh my God, do create a distinction between the truthful and the liar. You recognize every reformer and truthful one. Footnote start. O oh my God, do you demonstrate the difference between the truthful one and the liar? You know who is the truthful and the reformer. This revealed sentence negates Abdul Hakim Khan's claim that he is the one who is truthful. Allah says that you are not the one who is truthful. I shall sing out the truthful one from the liar. Footnote N. Issued by Mirza Ghulam Ahmad of Qadian, the Promised Messiah, August 16, 1906, 24 Jamaat Yudhani, 1324 Hijra. Printed at Anwar Ahmadiyya Press, Qadian Darul Aman. Attention, let it be clear that Jaraghdeen's public announcement is incorporated into this book, Hakikatul Wahi, with the sole intent to help every fair-minded person realize that this man, who has already tasted the punishment of his misdeeds, was previously testifying to the truth of my claim. The announcement is entitled Declaration of Truth Number 1, which starts from the next page. Later on, under the pull of his baser self, he joined hands with some Christian missionaries and became an apostate, and referred to me as the Dajjal, Antichrist, etc. Also, he wrote the books Minaratul Masih and Ijaz Muhammadi in opposition to me. Now every fair-minded person can judge for himself that he is the same Jaraghdeen who was the author of the public announcement reproduced below in my support. And so as long as he was among those who testified to my truth, God protected him from the plague and other afflictions. 
However, when he donned the garb of apostasy and tightened the girdle to malign and insult me, he was seized, and in accordance with my prophecy and in conformity to his own Mubahla prayer, he perished. So Allah be praised for all this. By the author, the promised Messiah, Alayhi Islam. Declaration of Truth, number one. Footnote start. There's a long footnote here by Jaragdeen. In the original Urdu edition of Hakikatul Wahi, the promised Messiah Islam, presented that footnote along with his main text. For the ease of readers, we have presented it after the main text of Jaragdeen on pages 527 to 531. Footnote N. Jaragdeen's declaration when an Ahmadi. Remedy for the plague. In the name of Allah, the gracious, the merciful. We praise him and invoke his blessings upon his noble messenger. A heavenly sign in support of the Messiah of the age. Surely Allah changes not the condition of a people until they change that which is in their hearts. It is no secret to the people of the Punjab and India how radical the changes are that have been brought about by the epidemic of the plague in the space of these few years. Whichever house, village, or town it enters, it does not depart it without wiping it out. Hearts tremble and bodies quiver at the sight of its terrifying onslaughts. Like lightning from the sky, it continues to consume the world. People are abandoning their homes and towns and fleeing. Near and dear ones are being split apart. The world is totally enervated. Mankind is busy trying to discover possible means to safeguard themselves. The pity is that people are totally unaware of its true nature and remedy. My heart is full of great concern and sympathy for mankind because God Almighty has disclosed to this humble one the real, definitive, and absolutely certain remedy for it. Therefore, my heart, faith, and compassion for mankind compel me to reveal to the public this true remedy, which is a sure and sufficient treatment for this affliction, and which contains within it all the necessary means for saving the world, so that those who are destined to partake of this heavenly bounty may be saved. So let it be clear that for almost one year Allah the Exalted has been revealing to me through spiritual visions that this age is one of spiritual resurrection, in other words, it is the harbinger and beginning of the age of peace and harmony, which in Islamic terminology is called the victory of Islam, and which according to the Christians means the glorious descent of the Messiah and his kingdom. It is the age in which satanic supremacy and the mischief of the Antichrist shall be lifted from the world. The earth shall be filled with the recognition of the glory of God as a bright day, and Allah's true worship, eternal righteousness, peace, and goodwill shall be established throughout the world. Nations will no longer fight with nations, nor shall kings fight with kings, and religious disputes shall disappear from the whole world. The people of the world, by accepting the same faith and practices, will display a perfect example of peace and tranquility. All nations enriched to the full by spiritual and material bounties will display the perfect example of peaceful and harmonious coexistence. All wars and fighting, mischief and disorder, enmity and hatred, disbelief and sinfulness, suffering and affliction shall be removed from the world, so much so that the lions and the oxen, the wolves and the sheep shall drink water together from the same watering hole. The proof of this is present in the Holy Quran and other holy scriptures. 
Here I also want to make it clear that the blessed epoch, which has been so exalted, is the seventh millennium in the age of the world, which is destined to see the establishment of the divine kingdom in the world, and of peace and reconciliation like the day of the Sabbath. It has also been proven to me that this century constitutes the end of the sixth millennium. Therefore, whatever dramatic and wide-ranging changes are to take place in preparation for the spiritual resurrection shall come to pass in this very century. Thus, in preparation for this comprehensive and grand spiritual resurrection, God is pleased to make arrangements of two kinds, gracious and glorious. The gracious kind means that, in conformity with his age-old practice, just as he has been raising and commissioning his chosen ones for the guidance and reformation of the world in every age, in the present age too, he has raised and appointed an elect of his own with the status of an imam. His honored name is Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad of Qadian. His honored name is Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad of Qadian. The purpose is that the world under his guidance and by submitting to him may be able to produce in itself the light of that holy spiritual transformation which is the condition precedent to the preparation of spiritual resurrection so that it may be found worthy of entering and sharing that peaceful and blessed kingdom of God that has been mentioned above and into which no unholy and mischievous person can enter. The other strategy of God Almighty is one of glory and wrath. It is symbolized by the plague and famine. The purpose is that those who fail to reform themselves by benefiting from the gracious arrangements may be warned or destroyed by this wrathful strategy. As is the old age divine practice, prophets have come for every spiritual revolution in the past. Whenever the people crossed the limit in disbelieving and rejecting the prophets, they were visited by chastisement. The Holy Quran and other holy scriptures are full of such precedents. So similarly, once again the same thing has happened now. When His Holiness made the argument clear and fully conveyed it to the world at large and duly and in every way established His claim to be the divinely appointed Islam, but the world did not desist from denying and denigrating Him. God Almighty, for His part, in keeping with His age-old practice, delivered this verdict from on high, and He sent down a calamity for these present-day disbelievers, just as He did in the case of the disbelievers of earlier prophets. Therefore, this plague is that chastisement which, like the fire that consumes, is reducing the world to ashes. The Hadith of the Holy Prophet positively records that in the promised Messiah's time, the plague will be so rampant that the earth shall be filled with dead bodies. It is recorded in the Holy Gospel, the book of Revelation, chapter 16, that at the time of the Messiah's descent, Mankind will perish due to noxious and grievous sores by which is meant the plague. Besides, the Holy Quran emphatically warns that nations will perish in the latter days. For instance, the Holy Quran says, There is not a township, but we shall destroy it before the day of resurrection, or punish it with severe punishment, that is written down in the book. Surah Bani Israel, Part 6 and also in Surah Dukhan, meaning that, watch for the day when the sky will bring forth a visible smoke that will envelop the people. 
This will be a painful torment, and we shall seize you with the great seizure. Verily, we will exact retribution. Again in Surah Al-Qiyamah, Allah says, meaning that when the moon and the sun are eclipsed in the same month, that is, in Ramadan, people will seek but will not find a place to escape. In addition to all this, there are many prophecies in the Holy Scriptures about this age. See Isaiah chapter 4 and chapter 66, verse 15, Psalms chapter 50, verse 3, Daniel chapter 12, Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 15 to 28, Habakkuk chapter 3, Zephaniah chapter 3, Micah chapter 4, Matthew chapter 13, verse 40, and chapter 24, verse 15 to 31. Revelation chapters 15 and 16. There is a complete and graphic description of this era within these scriptures. Of course, if the question is asked, how should we believe that this chastisement has overtaken us on account of our opposition to the Imam of the age, the answer to it is based on the following Quranic verses. We never destroy a town unless and until we first send our messenger to it. In Surah Al-Qasas, chapter 28, verse 6 of the Holy Quran. Elsewhere, God says, meaning that the verdict about the people of an age is delivered only when a messenger is sent to them. Hence, when on the one hand, a messenger, that is His Holiness, the Imam of the age, is present, who invites the world towards truth and righteousness, and on the other hand, he is rejected with such vehemence. And thirdly, a terrible chastisement too is so imminently waiting at the door. Can it not be understood that this is the very hostility and opposition of ours, that we are mounting against the one commissioned by Allah that has manifested itself in the form of chastisement, which is facing us today? In other words, the real cause of this chastisement is none other then the very same denial and rejection that is, in a symbolic shape, confronting the world with such destruction, meaning that, and that which they use to mock at, shall encompass them. We have seen with our own eyes, quote, God knows what happened to these eyes afterwards, quote, and, common by the promised Messiah, al-Islam, and heard with our own ears that the opponents used to ridicule and mock the prophecy of His Holiness, the Messiah of the age. Peace be upon Him. Regarding the plague which was to overtake the Punjab that had been published four years ago and would demand where the promised plague was. In addition to all this, when there are hundreds of precedents in the Holy Quran and other sacred scriptures to the effect that in the earlier ages too, the end of those who rejected each and every appointee of God has invariably been death and destruction, and every people will visit it by a different kind of affliction. Then is there anything that can prevent us from believing that the present chastisement is also re the result of the very same opposition? Not at all. Indeed, without the least shadow of any doubt, this too is the same weapon of glory and wrath of God Almighty that has always come into being to destroy the opponents of His true messengers. Now that we know the cause, we should try to apply the cure which is as follows. We should accept the claim of the Imam of this age, the promised Messiah, peace and blessings be upon him, sincerely choose to put on the yoke of obedience to him and try to live with all honesty under the benign influence of his guidance and attain a holy and living spiritual transformation which is free from all sin and rebellion.
As such, each person, family, tribe, or residence of a town who choose to do so shall by God's grace be saved from this affliction, because the door to divine acceptance is still open. Therefore, repentance on anyone's part, if sincere, will be accepted. But a time is about to come when people will repent, but their repentance will not be accepted. Nations will cry before God, but will not be heard. The world shall turn to God, but the outcome will be despair, as is said in the Holy Quran. There will come a time when this affliction will spread throughout the world. This catastrophe shall be worldwide. No town or village except as Allah wills shall be immune. Rather, the plague shall be rampant even in the rivers and forests. At that time, people were trying to find a place to flee but will find none, as is said in the Holy Quran. On that day, men will say, Whither to escape? Nay, there is no refuge. Because it is the fire of God's wrath, it will not die down until it fulfills its purpose and wreaks vengeance on the opponents of God. Therefore, out of sympathy for mankind, of which my heart is full, I hereby warn all of God's creation that before this calamity assumes worldwide proportions and decimates with its poison even the jungles and the rivers, and before this fire of the wrath of God gets ready to reduce the world to ashes, repent and implement what will safeguard you, which is as follows. 1. Believe God to be one. Repent of all shirk, association of partners with God, disbelief and sin. Demolish all apparent and hidden images and idols from your heart and place your reliance only on the one God. 2. Believe in all the true prophets and all the heavenly scriptures in general and in the Arabian prophet Muhammad may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him and the Holy Quran in particular, and engage yourself with sincerity of heart to follow Islam, the perfect and living religion of Allah the Exalted. 3. By sincerely accepting the claim of His Holiness to promise Messiah, peace be upon Him, to be the divinely appointed Imam, and by entering into His peaceful and blessed Jamaat, try to obtain the perfect light of spiritual existence, which delivers a person from this affliction and chastisement of God. 4. Everyone should be sincerely penitent in the presence of God and abandon all sin and misdeeds of which one is guilty. He should be ever busy offering the five daily prayers and otherwise remain engaged in prayer and seeking forgiveness and always remember death. He should ever remain sincerely busy discharging his obligations to God and to his creatures. Also, to the best of his capacity, he should be compassionate to the poor, the weak, and the helpless, and as far as possible, devote his life and property in earnest submission to God with a view to earning his pleasure and in the service of humanity. 5. He should sincerely remain obedient and grateful to this kind government and should never even think of disturbing the peace or becoming involved in any manner of rebellion. 6. All residents, whether of towns or villages, should observe the fast and whole communities, should go out to the jungles and open spaces and supplicate God with great humility and pathos that he may ward off this imminent catastrophe and during this prayer seek the intercession of all the prophets and saints in general and of the holy prophet may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him 
and of the Imam of the age, the promised Messiah, peace be upon him in particular. 7. Every nation and group, after earnest penitence, and with faith in God, in his perfect messenger, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and in the Imam of this age, make earnest request to his holiness, the Imam of the age, peace be upon him, to pray that this calamity may be removed. If the world acts in accordance with my submission, I declare with full certainty that the ominous visitation will by God's grace, be removed from that specific person, home, nation, city, or that part of the country where an exemplary kind of pure transformation is brought about because the real cause of it all is sin and the opposition to the imam of the age. Therefore, as long as the real cause of this affliction is not removed and the fire of God's wrath, which has been lit due to opposition and sin, is not eradicated, this chastisement will not be averted from the world, but I am afraid the world, taking this submission of mine lightly and ignoring it, will lose the opportunity of acceptance of prayer, closing the door of repentance. This happens when mischief crosses the limits and the time for the final verdict arrives. Then even the prayer for mercy of the prophets in favor of the opponents is not accepted. Look, Hazanu al-Islam, Noah, prayed for his son Canaan, who was one of the deniers and disbelievers at the time of the deluge, but his prayer was not accepted. See Surah Hud, Ruku 4. Similarly, Pharaoh, when he was on the verge of being drowned, expressed belief in God, but it was not accepted. Of course, repentance is accepted by God if one repents prior to that specific time. The Holy Quran says, meaning that repentance is accepted when there are only the slightest of signs of impending chastisement. I therefore remind people again and again that this is merely the beginning of the divine chastisement of the world that has become manifest. Its peak and end is most terrible. Therefore, people ought to turn to God before that hour of death and destruction. They should obey God, the Holy Prophet and the Imam of the age. They should try to repent and abandon sinfulness and seek to ward off this calamity with the help of prayer and seeking forgiveness and by bringing about a virtuous and pure transformation in themselves so that they may remain secure against this cataclysmic chastisement because there is this firm promise of Allah the Exalted that on such occasions he only bestows protection only to those who believe, as he says. Footnote start. This is as transcribed in Jalaluddin's original declaration. The actual text in the Holy Quran is different. In Surah Yunus, chapter 10, verse 104. It is incumbent upon us to save believers. Now I'll close this subject with the prayer that may Allah save us and indeed all believers from this calamity and guide us to the right path and enable us to achieve mutual peace and amity. Amin again. Amin. Now I would like to submit for the attention of my spiritual brethren of our Jamaat that we have two kinds of means to save ourselves from the fire of divine wrath and this terrible chastisement. One is faith and the second is righteousness. Faith means to believe with absolute certainty that there is no way to escape from this divine chastisement except by having perfect faith in and sincerely following our guide and master, 
His Holiness, the Imam of the Age, peace be upon him. If we will be saved, we will be saved only by sincerely following His Holiness, and if we will perish, we will do so only because of opposition to Him. Indeed, our life and our death lie in submission or in opposition to Him. Footnote start. This statement of his indeed proved to be exactly true. Footnote end by the author, Hazrat Masih Islam. Righteousness means that we always remain fearful and be ever on guard lest in any matter we fall short of the guidelines prescribed by our guide and master or lest we remain outside the peace giving obedience to him such that we suddenly become the victims of the chastisement of God because there is no safety or refuge from this chastisement except submission to Ahmadiyya. Whosoever remains within it will certainly survive. Because we firmly believe that this calamity, which is leading the world to annihilation by killing people, is due only to the opposition to His Holiness, the Imam of the Age, peace be upon him. So it would be contrary to the way of Allah for this calamity to adversely affect the sincere followers of His Holiness in any way. This is an established truth borne out by hundreds of precedents recorded in the Holy Quran that in the earlier ages, the sincere believers of the prophets, peace be upon them, had been saved at the time of chastisements. This is not something that was operative in the past alone. It is still in operation today, as says the Holy Quran, but with the condition that one must be a sincere believer, for if one is not a believer, one cannot escape simply because of a physical familial nearness of relationship, as is illustrated by the case of the wife of Prophet Lut, Lot and the wife and son of Prophet Nuh, Noah. Therefore, it is incumbent upon each and every believing Ahmadi brother that he keep himself engaged in praying and seeking forgiveness, always trembling and fearful lest he be guilty of any major or minor opposition to His Holiness the Imam al-Islam of the age, so that we continue to redeem ourselves from all the defiance that is frequently committed by us due to our ignorance in subtle matters and that God Almighty may save us from His retribution. And as far as we know, we must safeguard ourselves from every disobedience to our guide, the Imam of the Age, peace be upon him, because this chastisement is destruction for the opponents and a warning and an object lesson for us. Therefore, every one of our brothers should take heed from observing the fate of others. So take a lesson, O ye who have eyes, and keep oneself busy in trying to protect oneself from this calamity. I urge this because it has been disclosed to me that no one who sincerely belongs to this jamaat shall die of this ailment except the one who lives in hypocrisy. Let it be known, therefore, that if anyone belonging to our jamaat falls victim to this calamity, the condition of his belief and conduct was not commendable for which he has been awarded this punishment. Footnote start. Comment. They will bear witness against themselves that they were disbelievers. Surah Al-Anam, chapter 6, verse 131 of the Holy Quran. Footnote end. This is so because Allah the Exalted does not allow His sincere believers to be included in the chastisement meant for His opponents. Is He, then, who is a believer like one who is disobedient? They are not equal. 
Therefore, every believer should be ever apprehensive, lest, on account of any kind of defiance, he should be counted among the transgressors, having suffered this calamity of divine chastisement. In addition to this, I also submit to my worthy brethren that those who receive this announcement should try with all their heart and soul to promote its circulation for the sake of discharging their duty, to support our guide and master, the true Imam, peace be upon him, and to have sympathy for mankind. If possible, let these words be reprinted by the funds collected from the jamaats of your town and its copies be sent to villages and smaller towns too because barring the obstinate and the prejudiced naive people are succumbing to this divine retribution simply on account of their ignorance and negligence therefore our jamaat is duty-bound to try to invite mankind to the right path and to save them from this deadly chastisement so that the existence of this holy jamaat proves to be beneficial to the welfare and good of humanity and so that the members of this Jamaat may be judged by God Almighty to be deserving of a great reward. And Allah alone grants the ability. With many greetings of peace, the author of this announcement, the humble one, Jaraqdin Ahmadi of Jammu, February 9th, 1902, Wufidim Press, Footnote by Jaraqdin. Here are also considered appropriate to make it clear that this announcement of mine is not just from myself, but is from Allah the Exalted as he has appointed me to testify to the truth of the Imam of the age, peace be upon him, and the conditions of his hallowed times as is borne out by the meaning of the verse of Surah Buruj. For the promised day is none other than the present age, and the term Mashud, the one who testified, means the Imam of the age, the promised Messiah, peace be upon him. And Shahid stands for those persons who would bear witness to his truth by the command of God Almighty. Therefore I bear witness with a sincere heart and recognizing Allah the Exalted to be omnipresent and omniscient, that without any doubt or reservation whatsoever, His Exalted Holiness, Hazrat Mirza Sahib, has been appointed by Allah the Exalted as the Imam of the age, and that obedience to him is the source of earning Allah's pleasure, and any opposition to him is the cause of invoking wrath and displeasure. Comment by Hazrat Masih quote, Despite knowing this, he had no fear, quote, end. Therefore, for the satisfaction of the world at large, I consider it appropriate to hereby briefly set down some of my own dreams and visions. Let it be clear to the readers that some twelve years ago I saw in a true dream that a light appeared in the shape of a column. It enveloped me and transformed my condition, making me pronounce the Kalma Tawheed, Islamic proclamation of the oneness of Allah. After this, for a little more than a year, I continued to have visions of beholding God Almighty. When this condition began to subside, one night I saw God Almighty in a dream in which I became totally effaced into and united with Him. This state of ecstasy and pleasure in my heart lasted the whole day. After this, some seven years ago, I saw in a true dream that a large number of people were waiting at some place for Hazrat Masih, His Holiness the Messiah, peace be upon him, and looking towards the heavens as if Hazrat Masih was about to descend. I also saw that they were having some hesitation about the building of a minaret for the descent of the Messiah.
At the same time, it was disclosed to me as if there was no other person in the world sharing my name in the context of the construction of this minaret. I was then shown in a dream about three years ago that all the nations of the world are making a lot of noise like sparrows. As I was watching them, I received the following revelation from Allah the Exalted. Tell them to come to this side so that they may find comfort. Again, after this, I saw once in a true dream that an assembly of righteous people was arranged and I was occluded among them and people were congratulating me. And again, I saw in a dream that the sincere followers of His Holiness are holding a public meeting in which I have been allotted the task of loudly inviting people to take the bath, pledge of allegiance with His Holiness, the Messiah, and take all those who respond into His august presence. Now a year ago I saw in a true dream that a light appeared from the west which was many miles wide and as high as the heavens. This light came straight towards me. The closer it came, the less intense it became. When it came close to me, I saw, instead of the light, a single person who was holding in both his hands something that looked like two horseshoes, and light came out of them as he moved them. And so as this person came close to me, he announced with great fervor, Present the sick. At this command I bowed before him. At this he touched my head with the thing that he was holding in his hand, and I saw that I had around my neck an iron shackle like the prisoners which I am opening with both my hands. So a few days after this, quite like before, I was overtaken by a state of spiritual vision. My heart became steeped in such delight as if I were a king. One day, in a state of similar delight of rapture, I was spiritually transported to the presence of the divine. At that moment, the reality about the Christian teachings, that is, the reality of the gospel, was brought home to me. I was informed of the misperceptions of the Christians. Also, it was disclosed to me at the same time as if the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, i.e. the Messiah of this Ummah, was about to descend in all his glory and that I have been appointed to announce his coming and to communicate the glad tidings to the nations to join his kingdom. Then a few days later, in a true dream, it was shown to me that bright heavenly bodies looking like the half-moon were floating down and that, extending my hands, I am catching hold of them with the intent to present them to the Imam of the age. Again in the same dream, I noticed that a certain place, a large number of houses were being built for the Europeans, and that on one side a holy person, namely His Holiness, is also seated. On all sides around him there is a curtain on account of which His Holiness is not visible from the outside, and from within the curtain His Holiness is admonishing the builders very severely to make haste and that if the job is not finished by the next day, their contract would be cancelled. Meanwhile, a wind happens to blow which casts aside the curtain behind which Hazur is seated, and the luminous person of His Holiness becomes visible, shining like the sun. And this humble one saw that his blessed face is so very beautiful and bright, as if radiating divine light. I also saw that from head to toe His Holiness is dressed in extremely white and bright clothes. Then, steeping forward, I offered my salam, greeting of peace, and he received me with such kindness and affection as fully convinced me that I have been granted the favor and honor of being his servant, 
so much so that I find that my own dress has turned white and bright like his. Similarly, a saintly person, after focusing attention, had seen this dream about me, that there is a pond in the center of which there is a brick building from within which there is emanating a flame of light. The holy person says that when he approached the gate of the building in order to determine the source of the light, he found that I was there inside it. The point of the discourse is that there are many other similar dreams and visions which it will take long to describe, but it is well worth remembering that Allah the Exalted has through these dreams and visions effectively established and proved to this humble one that I am one of the spiritual helpers of His Holiness. The promised Messiah, peace be upon him, just as he was shown two helpers in a true dream in the early part of his claim to be the Messiah, the truth of which is testified to by a hadith of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, to the effect that the promised Messiah will descend, resting his hands on the shoulders of two angels or men, hence my dreams and visions as briefly described above imply proof that of the two helpers mentioned in the blessed vision seen by the Holy Prophet and by His Holiness, I happen to be one of them. It is so, firstly, because I have been shown written in a revealed book that the minaret at which the Messiah will descend shall be built by the hand of this humble one. Secondly, in a vision God appointed me to proclaim the majestic descent of the Messiah and to convey the glad tidings to the nations that they should enter his kingdom. Thirdly, through the, his revelation, God has commanded me to invite nations to the deliverance from the plague. Fourthly, God sent down bright heavenly bodies to this humble one by way of support to the holy Imam of the age. Fifthly, by His Holiness I was granted the exalted office of being His attendant and attorney. Sixthly, I was bestowed the service of inviting nations to enter into the covenant of Baeth with His Holiness. In the face of such self-evident arguments, is there any possibility to doubt that I am entitled to be one of the supporters of His Holiness mentioned in the Hadiths and True Dreams? No, not at all. Of course, I confess I do not have the scholarly or financial wherewithal to reasonably claim to be a helper of His Holiness, for on both these counts I find myself still unequipped and lacking. But I have faith in the promises and reassurances accorded to me by God that He will certainly bring this about. Rather, I hereby declare with full certainty that I shall not be made to leave this world until I fully carry out the service allotted to this humble one. Because his will and promises cannot be thwarted, I therefore claim with self-assurance that I am the messenger of the promised Messiah's glorious advent. It is because hitherto the promised Messiah's advent had been compassionate in nature, and henceforth his coming shall be glorious in nature. In other words, people were persuaded and made to understand things until now in a gentle manner. But now God Almighty shall warn by means of his glorious and wrathful recourse, and it is to announce this very fact that I have been appointed. Author Jaraqdeen